Hello and welcome back to another episode of That's What People Do. We've been a bit on, been a bit on, been on a bit of a hiatus lately because, well, Ryan's been in Jamaica. So how was Jamaica, Ryan? Yeah, uh, yeah, my fault, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Jamaica was great. Um, yeah, on I've I, I've never seen uh, a more green country. It's it's a beautiful country. The water's fantastic. The people are really nice and friendly. Um, and I met some really nice people out there. Um, quick shout out to Alden, uh, Kenny and Dwight for showing us a really, really fun time and showing us um, Jamaica as it ought to be seen. Um, so hi, guys, if they are listening at all, I'm going to shout out to uh, Alden so that he can listen to this episode because he promised me he would. But yeah, well, um, if he hasn't. If you're listening to this, Alden, message Ryan right now and say I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, message me right now. Just so now. he knows. <laughs> um, yeah, Jamaica was great. Uh, it's it was it was much needed that time off uh, away from like work and away from just life. And I think that was like my first proper holiday in like two years or something. Uh, mm. Obviously with with COVID and whatnot, not many people have had the chance to go away and have a holiday. So it's, it was nice. It's important to take some downtime. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and obviously the pods had some downtime, and I, I, I kind of feel like we've needed that as well. It's been, it's been nice. Obviously, that last episode was Albert Fish, and that shit was heavy. Yeah, we've all needed some time just to, to clear our heads with what happened with that one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that was horrific. <laughs> and uh, this this week, uh, we're talking about a domestic terrorist. We are, we are, depending on what side, I mean, no, it, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, is a, he's a terrorist. Yeah. So this episode, I think, was intended to come out November 5th, but <laughs> for one reason or another, I don't know what happened, it didn't, but fuck <laughs> it, who cares? So here it is now. Um, this is Guy Fawkes, specifically, I say Guy Fawkes, it's more the gunpowder plot as a whole. There's a lot of moving pieces, there's a lot of different characters, because the gunpowder plot, Guy Fawkes was quite, a, I'm not going to say small role, but... He wasn't the main guy, mm. is what I'm trying to allude to. There was a lot more people involved. Um, just a disclaimer, I'm going to be very open and honest about this episode. I didn't write this episode for this podcast. I wrote it for another podcast. <laughs> I did not um, well, I did not know if you were going to mention that at all. <laughs> no, I think it's very, very important that I mention it. Um, <laughs> I used to do another podcast. I'm not going to say the name because it's dead now, but... Uh, I wrote it for that, and I wrote this one all by myself, so if my ex podcast partner is listening you have no part of this this is my work you can fuck yourself <laughs> but just a disclaimer it was written for children i have tried to edit it so it's less childlike <clears throat> and occasionally i'll just shout fuck just to make it a bit more adulty <laughs> but it was written for children so there's a lot of exclamation marks but i think that makes it, it might make it read easier the information might go in quicker who knows hmm. whatever helps you so yeah, and I'm sure that me and Ryan will read some scripts and just talk about our experiences to do with Guy Fawkes yeah. as we go forward. Yeah, we've got history with this guy. We do. A lot of history with Guy Fawkes. So, without much further ado, let's crack on. So, we've all heard of Guy Fawkes. If you haven't in various countries, if you're in the UK, I'm assuming you have. If you're in different countries, Guy Fawkes basically is the face of the plot to blow up the parliament building on november 5th which is why if you watch v for vendetta and the anonymous uh i don't know what to call them crew now they wear guy fawkes masks mm. that's guy fawkes 
Well, it turns out he wasn't the leader of the group of people who wanted to blow up Parliament. In fact, the leader was a man named Robert Catesby, who was well known to the government for being against the monarchy, who wasn't in those days. And they even believed that in 1602, he conspired with the Spanish to start a rebellion within England. So we're sort of in that neck of the woods again that we find ourselves in a lot of this podcast, Mm. Catholics versus Protestants. We've been there before. Yeah. So when Catesby realised the Spanish would not help him in any way, he took matters into his own hands and turned to some close friends, Christopher and John Wright. Christopher and John, along with Catesby, had been involved in rebellions in the past. Their brother-in-law, Thomas Percy, was also brought in to help, and he was a pretty violent man, but he had money, and obviously to blow up a building, you kind of need money to get the bombs. Mm. Now, Guy Fawkes was a very experienced man when it came to munitions due to his time serving in the Spanish army. So he was drafted in a little while after those that I just mentioned. Now, a little bit about Guy Fawkes. He was born in 1570 in York, and his full name is Guido Fawkes, uh, G-U-I-D-O. Why it's Guido and why we shortened it to Guy, I have no fucking clue. But Guido. Here's a fun little factoid for you. He was actually born a Protestant, which I'm sure some people are going, what? But after the death of his father, his mother remarried a Catholic man. And for whatever reason, Guy decided to make the huge decision to convert to Catholicism. Yeah, that is a big thing. That's a huge thing in those days, because obviously it was very sort of polarized. You're either Protestant Catholic and you fucking hated the other side. Yeah, because if if, uh, so in terms of the monarchy, what's happening at the moment, is it King James the first on the throne? Yes. No. Wait. We get there. Off the top of my head, I haven't got a fucking clue. But we do. We we will get there. Because I, I, I think. I mean, I maybe. Yes, it is. It's King James the first because Elizabeth had just died. Yes, because the whole the whole shit is that, uh, it was originally supposed to be Henry VIII's first daughter, uh, Mary, who is strictly Catholic. She's the daughter of the Spanish mm-hmm. woman Catherine of Aragon. Very very Catholic. Obviously, Henry was a Catholic, uh, and then Elizabeth was like, nah, I'm going with Dad's new shit, uh, we're just going to roll with it, and then all the Catholics were like, whoa, 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 what the fuck, you're messing up the whole, you're messing up the plan here, and then when she dies, she's like, I don't want it to go to another Catholic, I'm not having that playing around, so then James comes down from Scotland because he's Protestant, and he's the sixth of Scotland, the first of England, and he's also like, yeah, fuck the Catholics. I'm all for this new shit. And I think everyone's still really pissed off about it. Ryan just found a way to condense two pages of notes into three <laughs> sentences. I feel a bit upset about oh, that. <laughs> carry on, carry on. It's okay. We're just going to pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, but this is, we've been over this so many times in the past with other episodes. So if you are a, a avid listener... You'll know this already. I um I heard this be described in a documentary about the gunpowder plot uh, by Richard Hammond. Um, Richard Hammond didn't make this uh, this of all people. <laughs> yeah, Richard Hammond did not make this observation, but it's in his documentary. Um, it, it says how uh, if 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 you're to try to understand how uh, tense the situation at the time was between Catholics and Protestants. It's how today, how we see ISIS uh, and like Christianity in the West. It's it's as scary as that. How we see um, 
ISIS uh, uh, terrorists is how a lot of Protestants saw Catholics and how Catholics also saw Protestants. They saw each other as, as, as we see people today and how that's how scary mm. it was for the time. And that, for me, put it into a good perspective because when you think back on it, you're like, oh, yeah, Catholics didn't like Protestants and you just think it's like um, like football hooligans and that. And you're like, no, this shit was genuinely quite scary. If, if you knew someone was Catholic, like, that was scary as fuck. Oh, for sure. And the events of this had knock-on effects throughout the entire of history. As we, if you go back and listen to the um, Bonnie Prince Charlie episode, came about 100 years after this. It still happens today. The, the, the effects of this are still being rippled. Yeah. Obviously, in Ireland, big troubles between Catholics and Protestants. You've got um, Celtic and Rangers, the football teams in Glasgow, famously Catholic and Protestant clubs. All because Henry wanted to get his dick wet. Right, okay. So this is a little aside. I was at a house party on Saturday and I got extraordinarily drunk, like more <laughs> drunk than I've been in years. I don't remember most of the evening. But there was a, there was a, a fine young woman there and I thought, okay, I'm going to... Just do what every young man does. <laughs> and things were going really well. I thought, great, this evening's going to end very nicely. However, at some point, she mentioned to me she was both a Tory and heavily religious. Oh. And something inside me just went, no, I'm not having this. <laughs> and we spent two hours just flat out arguing about our views. Excellent. And somehow we got onto the topic of Henry VIII. I don't know how. Because she like follows Church of England. And I was like, well, Henry VIII created the church of england because he didn't want to bow down to the pope he wanted to be the head of his own church and she just flat out refused that that was the case she was like that is that is not what happened I was like, but it is it, it, it like, i don't how do you argue with someone that's just denying facts what what's what was she saying was the case she what, what honestly i was so drunk i can barely remember <laughs> she was saying that he created a new name but he didn't form a new church uh, I think I can understand on the level that she's at. So there's this whole thing that, oh, when Henry became the head of his new Church of England, he stopped being a Catholic, and apparently that's not true. Henry, for the rest no, of his no, life... No, no, he was Catholic until the day he died, yeah. but he still formed a new church that didn't answer to the Pope. Yeah. I I, I don't know. And then she told me she was a Tory, and oh, I, I ended up going home alone. <laughs> this boy's got morals. This boy's got morals, and he sticks to them. When I'm drunk, oh, I get so political. <laughs> but yeah, I've had I have her on Facebook now, so I might just pop up and be like, "You're wrong." You're wrong. <laughs> anyway, enough of my ex escapades. Let's crack on with the episode. So there were others included as well. Uh, Francis Tresham, um, Thomas Bates was Catesby's servant, so was naturally involved, and was joined by a man called Ambrose Rookwood and Sir Everard Digby, which is just the most English name I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. And they were utilised for their money and resources, because, again, you need that moolah. The men were supplied by Robert Keyes and John Grant, who provided the weapons and the famous gunpowder, which obviously is called the gunpowder plot. So there are the main people involved in the plot. But why did they want to blow up Parliament, as Ryan told us earlier, but I'm just going to plough on anyway. I didn't say why they wanted to do it. I just sort of gave context <laughs> to the situation. Okay, so we're, I'm just going to give that same context again. If you're familiar with Henry VIII, which you should be because we've got an episode out about him, you'll know he was a Catholic king who sort of began the Church of England. If you're the girl I was trying to hit on the other night, please <laughs> listen. If you aren't familiar, feel free to go and check out our episode all about him. Cheeky plug. When he opened the Church of England, he also paved the way for Protestants within the country. You probably know of his many wives. Um, Anne Boleyn had a daughter. 
her, and she was Elizabeth, who became queen after the death of her half-sister, Mary. Mary was a devout Catholic, and during her reign, she went about the undoing of the Reformation, which her father had put in place. And the Reformation was the when Henry pulled away from the Roman Catholic Church. Obviously, she was Catholic, so she wanted to answer to the Pope, because he is all-knowing and God's messenger, or whatever the fuck he is, I don't know, it's just... So, Mary was nicknamed Bloody Mary. We've been over this before in past episodes. I just love this area of history and keep coming back. Because during her reign, she burned many Protestants at the stake and there was a fair bit of bloodshed. So, naturally, this was a time when Protestants were pretty shit scared to practice their faith. However, after Mary's death in 1558, Elizabeth I came to the throne and she had been raised as a Protestant. This saw a pretty dramatic turn of events in the country, where Protestants becoming dominant and the same persecution that was given to them under Mary was now given to the Catholics. Elizabeth was pretty calm about it at first. She allowed them to continue their faith, but they weren't allowed to attend Catholic churches and they must attend Protestant mass every now and then. So sort of be a Catholic, but do it quietly. Mm, Yeah, yeah. It's the whole um, trying to like weed out the Catholic bits. Because like for, uh, for the most part, these religions are the same they just have a few their forms of christianity yeah yeah they've just got a few different ways of doing things like eating the blood of christ drinking no drinking the blood of christ and eating his flesh Mm. this was how i got into the argument with that girl i said organized religion's an absolute sham because it's just been rewritten again and again and again by people that want it to suit them yeah so therefore it's not the word of god anymore it's the word of a king that didn't like this aspect of it and blah blah blah. well oh i knew we'd get into it this is the whole thing with martin luther and his whole uh being able to translate like the bible into like uh, into words that everyone can understand that that was the whole problem in that catholicism was just christianity that i suppose that wasn't necessarily the word catholicism wasn't necessarily needed to be the word it was just christianity right because that was the only one because the only people that could interpret the bible because it was written in a different fucking language were those that could read it and those that could read it were in the church right as soon mm. as as soon as you can have everyone able to read the bible people start getting their own little interpretations of it and then people start going hang on a minute this doesn't seem fair that doesn't seem right and like you say before before that point those that have the keys to power are able to dictate what happens if that makes sense like if 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 the if your life is dictated by what happens in the book but i can't read the book but you can you can keep changing what is in the book because i can't prove you wrong Mm. and then it gets to the point where some really nice guy comes over and says hey listen do you want to be able to read the book as well i go yeah and he goes, here you go. And I read it and I go, hold on a minute. What a load of shit. You've been telling me I've got to do it like this. And I've been reading it and I think it should be like this. And then what happens is you get these mass, like fuckloads of offshoots of Christianity. Like you end up getting Seventh-day Adventists and bloody Mormons and all this shit. Because everyone starts interpreting it their own way. And then it goes madness. It becomes chaos. Um, yeah. Sorry, that was a bit of a tangent on what you just said. But yeah, however anyone wants to interpret it, it can be done that way. It's fascinating. Obviously, you get with terrorist organizations, you'll get them bending the the word of a holy book to suit them murdering others. Yeah. Which generally, like, 
all religions have different aspects, but generally, for me, the main aspect of every religion is don't be a dickhead, live and let live, love everyone. It's sort of pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, I agree. I agree. For the most part, they're there to control. In, in my opinion, <laughs> I feel like we have to start doing this from now on. In my opinion, these these organized religions are there to just make a civilization get on with itself. Um, and the whole uh, fighting one another stuff just comes from an older time where, you know, that was a real possibility that there was another uh, civilization that did not like you or was hostile towards you. And it just so happened that it just made sense to put in this book, yeah, um, that we don't like Canaanites or for whatever, you know, just as an example. We don't like Canaanites. And then imagine in 2021 being like, someone who lives in the old region of Canaanite. Imagine hating those people because they live in an old region that is no longer called Canaan or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. Like, it, it's just relevant to its time. However, there are things, like, that make sense today. Like, don't kill anyone. Like, just... That, that, that has nothing to do with religion. That's just a whole thing. Like, as a civilization, it just makes sense that we just don't kill each other. Yeah, just be a decent human being. Yeah, but then, like, hate in Egypt because they've got a few slaves that build pyramids. Well, it's like, I'm not going to hate Egyptians still because that's not what they do. So, it, like, it, it no. evolves and it changes, doesn't it? The book's not necessarily relevant all the time. I think it was Ricky Gervais that once said, um, and when asked about the afterlife and stuff, and said, if you don't believe in a god, why don't you go out and murder as many people as you want? Because, obviously, there's no heaven, so it doesn't matter. And he goes, I do go out and murder as many people as I want, which is none. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. Onwards. Unfortunately, things began to take a turn for the worst as Catholics pledged their allegiance to the Queen, uh, who had pledged their allegiance to a Queen, then began to turn on her. And there were many attempts at rebellions and even some on Elizabeth's life. Things were not helped when the Pope declared Elizabeth an illegitimate Queen, completely undermining all of her power and authority. A religion she was once happy to tolerate was now causing her issues, and she also had a Spanish invasion to contend with. Go back to our Francis Drake episode, we talk about the Spanish Armada. Oh yeah. The Spanish Armada attempted to invade England in 1588 to overthrow Elizabeth and restore Catholicism as the main religion. The Spanish saw the English as, as a direct threat in their expansion across to the newly found Americas. Go back to our Columbus episode where we talk about that, it all fucking links. <laughs> Unfortunately for the Spanish, they were defeated and Elizabeth on the throne uh, remained on the throne until her death in 1603. And Catholicism never really took its crown as the dominant religion within England. Obviously, if you go back to our Bonnie Prince Charlie episodes, there were Catholic kings, there were uprisings and things like that. But generally speaking, Protestants were the more, I'm not going to say powerful, they had larger numbers. Mm. Uh, but what does everything we've just said have to do with the gunpowder plot? After Elizabeth had decided not to tolerate Catholicism, Catholics were killed for heresy. And obviously, if you're killed because of your religion, you're going to be a bit angry about it. So all the conspiracies we mentioned earlier, they're all Catholics. Woo, they're a bit pissed off. So when James I came to the throne in 1603, he was supposed to treat Catholics better due to his mother being Mary, Queen of Scots. However... Due to immense pressure from those around him, he outwardly expressed his disgust at Catholicism and instilled fines that made everyone attend Protestant churches and to pledge your allegiance to the Pope instead of the King was seen as high tre treason. 
many Catholics, Catholic priests were forced out of the country. The conspirators felt very downtrodden and didn't want to obey these new laws and decided they would take matters into their own hands. The plot was quite simple. Kill the king and replace him with his, do- with his daughter Elizabeth, who was a Catholic. Blowing at Parliament with the king inside would mean many of the king's allies would also be caught in the blast, making it a lot easier for new power to be established. I, I think the same remains true now. If you blow at Parliament, this whole country would go into fucking chaos. Oh, I mean, yeah, you get rid of the um, ruling elites and then there's just a power vacuum, isn't there? Yeah. I'll say this at the end. Remind me that I have something to say about why we burn, why firework night is happening. So, the conspirators, led by Catesby, met in the Duck and Drake pub and began to plot their methods of blowing up Parliament. And I love that they met in a pub because England... Where else are you going to plot terrorism? The original plot was a bit different to what eventually happened as it involved a lot of tunnelling. A house was purchased under Percy's name and it was next to the House of Lords, which baffles me because there isn't a house next to the House of Lords, but I guess in those days there was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine, yeah, back then it wasn't as grand. I mean, there wasn't even a Palace of Westminster as we know it today. Hmm. It was just that one house, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. We'll we'll have to find a picture and put it on the socials. So the intention was to dig down and across until they were under Parliament from their house and then they'd plant their barrels of gunpowder. They began digging around December 1604 and it took them until March to be halfway through the wall. They couldn't arouse suspicion, so it had to be very secretive. It's very Shawshank. Mm. It was around this time they became aware there was a vault under Parliament that was available, and they hired it. 36 barrels of gunpowder were stored in this room, and all the men had to do was wait for their time to strike. And the plan was this. Blow up the Houses of Parliament, and then the conspirators would spread. Guy Fawkes would go to Belgium to collect supporters, and Bainham would go to Rome in order to keep the Pope on side. Um, Before this, a big event was created, and lots of high-up Catholics were invited so they could be brought on side to the plot. So they wanted to make sure they had everything in place, ready, for when the monarchy and everything fell. They Mm. could instantly put someone in power. Because in in these times, if you didn't get in quick and put someone on the throne that you want, someone else would be ready to do it. Oh, yeah. Someone else would just walk in and put their ass on it. Yeah. it's The monarchy is not as fun anymore. No, it's not, is it? After the explosion, they were to capture Elizabeth and the young Prince Charles. With all the royals with them, no one could stand in their way and Catholics would be free to practice their religion once more. But where did it all go wrong? As November 5th, the state opening of Parliament grew nearer, the conspirators had pretty human reactions of wondering whether they were doing the correct thing. They realised that a lot of their own allies and friends would be killed in the blast and at first, this was a necessary sacrifice, they now wondered whether certain people should be warned. And Ryan, can you remember the name of who they warned? Was it Lord Monteagle? Lord fucking Monteagle. Yeah. Catesby completely refused this as he knew if anyone outside the group knew of the plot, it would be jeopardised. So it was to go ahead and anyone caught in the crossfire was a means to an end. However, not everyone in the group agreed. And this was the start of the downfall of the gunpowder plot. Tresham, one of the conspirators, was the brother-in-law of a man called Lord Monteagle, a Catholic friend sorry, of theirs who had <laughs> pledged allegiance to the king. 
Lord Montego received a note from an unknown sender which read, and this is fascinating because as we've mentioned 700 times, me and Ryan used to work at London Dungeon and two of the rooms are dedicated to, well, two, and maybe a bit of the torture room, two of the rooms are dedicated to the gunpowder plot. And in one of them you are a conspirator uh, playing a Catholic and you are... In, like getting the crowd roused up to blow up parliament at the end you say i have this letter for lord montego and you hand it to someone to say you need to deliver this follow me blah 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 but obviously it was just a blank piece of letter so if you've ever wondered what was in the letter that you're handing over you're about to find out my lord out of the love i bear to some of your friends i have care of your preservation therefore i would advise you as you tender your life to devise some excuse to shift your attendance at this parliament for God and man have concurred to punish the wickedness of this time. And think not slightly of this advertisement, but retire yourself into your country where you may expect the event in safety. For though there be no appearance of any stir, yet I say they shall receive a terrible blow this parliament, and yet they shall not see who hurts them. This council is not to be condemned because it may do you good and can do you no harm. For the danger is past as soon as you have burnt the letter, I hope God will give you the grace to make good use of it, to whose holy protection I commend you. That was a fucking a lot of words that just happened. Mm. Basically telling him, don't attend Parliament, there's going to be a big boom, burn this letter. <laughs> this letter will self-destruct. It is what, is what you said. Yeah. Because obviously if that letter got out, you're fucked. Yeah. So as we've just heard, the letter clearly outlines there was a plot to cause harm at the opening of Parliament. And this is the first time word got out about it. So other than that, it was quite a, a, a hushed plot. It was quite. And it's it, thought it that the plot was plundered. It? it was quite a good plan. Honestly, they nearly fucking got. They were so close to getting away with it, but Tresham opened his mouth. So it's thought that this plot was conjured by Tresham, who was having second thoughts about going through with it. He thought this letter would foil the plans to blow up Parliament and give his allies time to escape, because obviously there would be Catholics in Parliament as well, and he wanted them to survive. Lord Monteagle presented this letter to other lords at a dinner, and an order was put out to search Parliament top to bottom for anything out of the ordinary, which was not carried out by a man named Master Bates. <laughs> um, before we get to Master Bates, um, Lord Monteagle is a Catholic? Right? A Catholic friend, yes. Oh, a Catholic friend, not necessarily a Catholic. Oh, no, I think he, he probably was a Catholic, but I'll just, the script said a Catholic friend. Yeah, it is. A, in, the, in the script at w uh, work, it was a, a Catholic friend. Um, but Yeah, I, th I think I, it was. I wonder why he decided to, you know, let people know about what was going on. If he's a Catholic friend, like, maybe he just wasn't as hardcore, uh, but... I just find it bizarre. I think he found himself in a... He was in a position of power and he didn't want to... That Because if all power came down, there was no guarantee that he would be a lord in the new courts. Yeah. Yeah, because I, 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 so. that's something that like fascinates me, obviously. We've spoke about lords uh, in, in, in uh, royal courts before. Uh, and obviously before, before Elizabeth was Mary, and Mary was a very strict Catholic, and then when... Elizabeth comes in. What do those lords then sort of renounce their Catholicism and go? Ah, oh, no, 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 no. I'm no longer Catholic. I'm a Protestant, and then just pretend to be Protestant or actually renounce it. And you know what I mean? Like, how many times do they flip between their religions just to please the 
ruling monarch um and i wonder if that's just what the lords are like the lords and uh you know people are just fickle they just sort of say what needs to be said to be kept in power i mean that is how power works isn't it yeah but it's funny isn't Everyone it how like whatever they want the lower classes they're the ones that are very devout and stick to their shit and then all the lords and whatnot are like yeah i don't care like just say what needs to be said maybe they're the maybe that's why they rule us they're the ones that are smart we're not yeah because they'll cling on to power no matter what because they're not interested in what to do with the power they just want the power yeah yeah i just find it interesting that um lord montego just you know was like yeah lads Shit's going to go down. Have a quick look. And then they sent their best man on the job, didn't they? They sent Master Bates. Master Bates, the man who definitely existed. Yeah. <laughs> so for anyone who hasn't been to London Dungeon, we are going to spoil it. Uh, you come to your, you come to the cellar under the, uh, the Houses of Parliament and you meet a guy called Master Edward Bates. And yes, his name is a pun. Master Bates is supposed to be said as Master Bates. Uh, and it took me way too long to figure that out when performing as Master Bates. <laughs> I remember setting my lunch break and I went, oh my God, <laughs> what? I've just figured it out. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Master Bates didn't fucking exist. <laughs> Pity. No, he, he didn't exist at all. Um, they, they just wanted to use the term Master Bates in a script. <laughs> it is what's happened there. Um there were people that did go down and did exactly what he did, but no, it's, it's a fake name. So is it true that they searched and found nothing? Or So they sort of delayed their search. We get onto this a little bit. They, yeah, they, they delayed their search because they wanted to catch them in the act. Right, because there's the, in, in the script, if you remember, it's the, uh, he says how he was going around and he, he saw that he said, uh, and you saw me buy all this gunpowder. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, nice fella he was. And you're like, that person was me. And you're like, no, you're not. He had a different voice and accent, all this shit. Um, and uh, and as far as that story goes, is that they went down there, they found Guy Fawkes, and then he just sort of played it off and was like, oh no, no, it's all cool. And then they just like, all right, and they just left him to it. I think there was elements of that. Yeah, I think they did see these people going in and out, and they were very smooth characters. Yeah. They they got away with it for a f- they had gunpowder under Parliament for a long time. Yeah, mad, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit now. So it wasn't to be searched that soon. They wanted to wait until the plot was in full action, so they could uncover everyone involved, leaving no one to escape. Thomas Ward, Montego's servant and friend of Thomas Winter, explained that the plot had been uncovered and told them to abandon it. Thomas Winter returned this news to Catesby and begged him to give it all up in fear of being found and killed. However, due to nothing in the cellar being touched and no searches taking place, Catesby believed that the government had put no stock into the letter and the plot should move ahead. Guy Fawkes returned to the cellar to lay guard to the gunpowder. On November 4th, 1605, King James ordered a search of the cellar and this was accompanied by Lord Monteagle, so my guy was there. Mm. Fawkes answered the door, and when asked about the firewood, he said it was all to do with Thomas Percy, which aroused suspicion. The cellar was further investigated, and the barrels of gunpowder were uncovered, and Fawkes was immediately placed under arrest. What followed was five days of torture. 
where Fawkes refused to hand over any of the names of his co-conspirators. Torture was pretty barbaric in the time, mm. and Fawkes handed them a fake name of John Johnson, which is just wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Reports of what Fawkes said during these torture sessions shows that information was kind of squeezed out of him slowly, but then other reports say he sort of just gave it up freely. It's, it's pretty hazy. His plot was uncovered when documents signed Guido Fawkes were found detailing how he intended to place Princess Elizabeth upon the throne. So basically, if you are trying to carry out a gunpowder plot, don't leave a paper trail. Yeah, yeah, never, never leave a paper trail. It's what gets you in the end. Yeah, just word, just talk to each other. Phone calls on burner phones, I don't know. Don't do terrorism. Yeah, actually, yeah, stop trying to give people... (laughs) (laughs) Trying to give just advice to criminals. I was giving people hints. <laughs> Don't stop. Bad. Yeah. They also had calendars which they kept, and it showed who Guy Fawkes had met up with at certain points. This bloke wrote everything down. Mm. He was basically just he handed them the entire fucking blueprint to their master plan. We well, sound like a canary. And it was didn't on. Mm, exactly. It was on 9th of November, whilst being tortured, did Guy Fawkes hand over the names of his allies. He did, however, pass out, and they had to wait for him to regain consciousness before he told them anything, because he was placed on the rack, and if you're not familiar with what the rack is, your legs and arms are stretched, so eventually you'd dislocate, your bones would pop, you'd be about, I don't know, five inches taller than you started. Didn't he have thumb screws as well? Thumb screws, yeah, just, yeah, all the, the thumb screws. Um... It's genuinely interesting to see uh, the signature differences before and after his torture. Um, I don't know if you've seen them, Um, but obviously before his torture, I think you see his signature and it's, you know, it's just his signature. And then you see his signature after his torture when he confesses to everything. And it's like this, honestly, it looked like, I don't know, if you put a pen in a bird's mouth and then try to get it to replicate your signature it's probably what mm. it would look like where he can't i imagine grip. he was very worse for wear yeah his hands were so fucked up from all this torture and he was so messed up that he couldn't hardly grip this piece of quill and like write his signature it's it's it looks awful and if you look at his signature it just gives you some sort of idea as to how his body was physically that he can't even write all whilst knowing that he was not escaping with his life. No matter what information he handed over, they were going to kill him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And at that point, you might as well just sing like a canary, yeah. Yeah, but I guess in his mind, if he hands over the names, they'll kill him quicker. Yeah, maybe. Stop the st- well, stop the torture. And that was the whole point of yeah. torture, wasn't it? It was to just get whatever you needed out of him quickly. Mm-hmm. However, I do believe that torture was not necessarily... Uh, it was quite frowned upon, even in the medieval times. I don't think it was as actively used as no. much as we think. No, because obviously it just elicits false confessions all the time, and they know that. Yeah. But torture is even used nowadays, but you know, again, frowned upon, not allowed to, but who listens? So, by the point that Guy Fawkes had handed over all the names, his friends had already realised the plan was fucked and had started to make their escape. The men had gone their separate ways, but had rejoined forces in Warwickshire. They informed others that the plan had failed and began to head west to join up with insurgents in Wales. En route, they broke into Lord Windsor's house at Hule Grange to uh, get weapons and ammunition as they were being chased by the sheriff of the county and his men. 
They took refuge in Whole Beach House in Staffordshire. It's either Whole Beck or Whole Beach. Either way, mm. they're in a big house in Staffordshire. At 11 a.m. on November, in November, they the sheriff and his man, men began firing at the house. Catesby, Percy, and Wright were killed. Some reports saying Catesby and Percy were killed with the same musket ball. It might just be one of those nice little stories. Ideally, the authorities wanted them alive. However, Catesby died soon after, and his head was placed on a spike on the top of the House of Commons. Hey. Everyone else was taken prisoner. Those that survived were executed soon after, until all the men directly involved in the gunpowder plot had been killed. Fawkes was to be executed on the 31st of January, 1606. He was to be hung, drawn, and quartered. Um, to be hung, drawn, and quartered means you're hanged until nearly dead, and then drawn... Oh, I can't quite remember. Can you remember? It's uh, You have your um, stomach like, Is it horses that open. pull you apart? Yeah, it's your stomach sliced open, right, okay. and all your guts are taken out of you. Yeah, while you're like, and then quartered, obviously chopped up into bits. However, Guy Fawkes realised that, fuck, that sounds horrific. Absolutely not. I'm, I'm not doing that. So whilst they were setting him up to be hung, he leapt off the platform and his neck broke and he died instantly. Yeah. So, so fair play to him. The plot to blow up Parliament and restore a Catholic monarch had really backfired. And after this, the treatment of Catholics got um, even worse with Protestants very suspicious that there could be another plot at any point. In 1606, it was said November 5th was to be a day of thanksgiving, and it's a tradition we still uphold today, because this is the day we have fireworks night. Mm. Now, people often fucking say, this is the point I was going to make earlier, that we are celebrating Guy Fawkes and trying to blow up Parliament. That's not the case. No. King James named this day as the plot that as, as the day that the terrorist plot was foiled. So if anything, you're celebrating King James and the downfall of Guy Fawkes. In a weird way, <clears throat> um, well, yeah, it's, we call it Guy Fawkes Night, uh, but traditionally, people create effigies of Guy Fawkes. They create, uh, and, and they throw them on the bonfire. So every, yeah, every year... Every year, they recreate killing Guy Fawkes. If you think about it, it's really dark that we still do this today. We create mm -hmm. an effigy of the man, and we throw him on a fire to re-execute him every single year, and kids love it. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, nowadays, it's more just fireworks and sparklers and having a nice time. The sort of meaning is long forgotten, but... Yeah. It's fascinating how it's, it's such a bloody history about why it happened so many people died yeah um as well as this a tradition is set up that every state visit of parliament meaning when royalty is there the sellers are always to be checked for gunpowder or anything else suspicious and it carries on today and while security checks are obviously necessary this one's sort of more of a nod to the foil plot of 1605 so it's not like a, an official it's sort of like ah this is tradition because us brits love tradition mm. A bit too much, some might say. Yeah, I would say so. So there, we kind of have it. That was a nice little short, sharp episode on the gunpowder plot of 1605. I like that. It's been, that's fascinating. And uh, if, if anyone would like uh, more of a visual, uh, like I said, there is a really good documentary, uh, a Richard Hammond documentary, showing if uh, what would have actually happened had those 36 barrels of gunpowder actually exploded. And they create a, um, a two-scale... Uh, houses of parliament to blow up 
uh, and they place mannequins in the House of Parliament where they ought to have been during the state visit and they place these pads on them and if the pads like it's one of these pads that it can like register um, the impact of what you know they receive and all this stuff and they blow it up and they're like they show you the likelihood of what would have actually happened had it gone through it's really fascinating uh, and also check out uh, the TV series Gunpowder that has Kit Harrington in it from Game of Thrones that came out in 2017. It was a BBC series and actually it was really good. It's really... So that got a lot of complaints because th- there's one scene in particular that's quite graphic. Uh, I think it's a uh, someone being tortured uh, in it's like a public torture, like public execution. There are public... Where the, the stones are placed yes, on, the, uh, yes. on the chest. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, there is a public execution. There is uh, the weights. Um, it's where they place a big fucking slab of stone. or They, they put a big slab on this old lady um, publicly and they just keep putting more and more weights on this slab uh, to get her to confess to something but, and eventually she ends up... But like not crushed. enough to crush you instantly but to like slowly compress your yeah. chest yeah and eventually you just can't breathe That's anymore so fun. yeah it, it's it's very graphic but i tell you what it's a very good series oh yeah highly recommend mm. but yeah i don't know if obviously i don't think this is celebrated in america probably isn't but i wouldn't have thought so 100 years later bonnie prince charlie happened and then the uprising if you're not interested go and check out that it's ugh, the whole history between protestants and catholics in this country in ireland and scotland is really quite remarkable mm. and the fact that it still happens today is, is is fascinating yeah it's not any less volatile no no i was i mean even look, look at only 30 years ago look at northern ireland and you think oh shit that mm. stuff is still that's probably as good as you could probably uh, say it was like however it might have been like in guy Fawkes' time probably look at northern ireland and and during the troubles and that's probably what it was like during that mm-hmm. era mental mm. anyway do we know who's coming next week or whenever we record <laughs> yeah whenever we record do you know what though we do have the best listeners i think in the world because they are so so patient with us um oftentimes we're like next week and then it's like two weeks later <laughs> um so just quick shout out to you guys <laughs> listening thank you so much for being patient with us and thank you so much for just sticking with us um given us the time to make these episodes and whatnot obviously you, you evidently understand that we are busy we do got full-time jobs and james in full-time education right now uh it, it's hard to get this stuff done so thank you very much for still tuning in mm. uh next episode i will say uh is about a lady called olive oatman um it's uh it's a good episode obviously because i've gone i went dark on my bad person so uh we're talking mm. about a woman called olive oatman uh, we are going back to American Old West because I like it a lot. Uh, and there are some fascinating stories there. Uh, Olive Oatman is a, um, a American uh, woman from that era uh, who is kidnapped by Native Americans and lives amongst them and almost becomes them, uh, one of them. And um, oh. it's a genuinely a fascinating tale. Um, and uh, she's recognisable by her face tattoos that she gets whilst being with the natives um and yeah wears a lot of makeup to cover it when she comes back anyway it's a fascinating tale uh so look forward to that next episode um thank you very much for listening everyone uh, i hope you've enjoyed that episode uh do check out a bit more about guy Fawkes. one day james what i want us to do is like a playlist of all of our episodes in historical order as they should be oh that'd be mad 
yeah i think we should definitely have a playlist of that one day uh, and then you can literally like follow the episodes as they go along uh, like it, throughout history yeah it'd be fascinating because we have a lot from this time i think our earliest one is probably Tutankhamun, ancient egypt yes and then i think it might be the ancient we've got greeks. a few ancient yeah. greeks we've got some romans yeah we've got a lot of middle-aged england uh, very bloody tier. fair few world war Two. Yeah. A lot of American Wild West now and sort of uh, England colonizing America. And that's the whole thing. I think I I keep mentioning it almost every bloody week now. But like the human condition just doesn't change. Like we're just people just getting on. Uh, Whether we're talking about people in today's time or talking about people in ancient Egypt or people during the Midwest American. Like it's just that people are the same. They've not grown much. They just keep doing the same shit, making the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Learn from history. That's what absolutely, it's all about. that's what they say, wasn't it? Uh, to, what is it? You're, if you, what is it? What's oh Christ? What's that poxy quote that's from like World War Two? And it's like, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it or something. You're doomed to repeat yeah. it. Yeah, it's something, something along those lines. It's very, it's very wise. History is fascinating because of that. It teaches us lessons that we just choose to yeah. ignore. Um, well, join us next week for olive yeah join us not? next week because i've got to write it now join us next week for olive oatman uh, and her uh, fascinating adventures um in uh old-timey america uh make sure you follow us on all the socials because i'm kind of enjoying making some artwork for the uh, social media so join us for that ryan's well into his graphic design join us on social media you can follow us on all these stuffs uh make sure you check out our ko-fi page if you would like to donate to the show of course uh you guys have paid for uh this show for the next year so um keep it up if you'd like to see Woo. more of it or hear more of it i should say uh keep it up keep donating to the show um and if you'd like to uh, donate in another way you can check out the merch store if you are interested in picking up a t-shirt a hoodie a mug uh, it's coming up to Christmas, so if you are stuck for something to get for yourself, or if your loved one's like, what do you want for Christmas? And you say, I don't know, that's me. Um, tell them to head to the merch store and pick up a, a t-shirt, um, and you can show off to all your family during the Christmas at the Christmas table um, that you like podcasts. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. ta